not like, do you not look and sort oh, of... Oh, I did the look. I nudged him at one like, point. sort yourself out. This no, and he'd just be sat there like this, and then we'd just go like... <sighs> like uh, and so that's in my left ear for that's the entire screen. Oh, God, so, that's terrible. I know, so it'd be like, hey, Barbie, hey, kid. <laughs> to go and see Oppenheimer. I very much enjoyed on my YouTube and my social media the multiple sit-down sofa chats with Christopher Nolan, Mm. Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Matt Damon. Because not only great actors, right, but they are all clearly so gassed to be in this film that they really enjoyed their parts in. It's been, like, critically successful. And you know, Robert Downey Jr. is just so <laughs> happy to be here yeah. in this movie that's not about Iron Man. <laughs> and Killian Murphy, who I just discovered, yeah. is, oh my God, he is so amazing. I sort of erp yeah. and derp my way <laughs> through these interviews. And like, Killian Murphy is like, is oh, being you know, like just surrounded so, by immeasurable praise and, and like new fame, but he's so humble. Oh, and so, so the interview humble, will be like, oh, yeah. so like, you know, this film's about nuclear bombs would you would you own a nuclear bomb and he's like i don't really know how to answer that really yeah. i think when people oh i'll be going to see barbie for and when you, sure when you see what chris yeah. has done on the big screen oh, i think it's wonderful and, and emily blunt is just so she's funny she, her and, and matt damon is a pair yeah they'll be doing interviews together <laughs> yeah. well they did this is all pre-strike but like yeah the um matt matt damon matt, matt, da- matt damon, damon will try so and, happy to when be ben there. and i were making goodwill hunting and yeah. emily will come, <laughs> and go, come you sound ridiculous she's goodness sake relatable like someone yeah. who works yeah. across you at the office yeah. like immeasurably famous and wealthy yeah. but just like oh i'm so english you expected to you, you expected to say something like janet have you seen that email yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas mad damon it's like i'm big but I'm, I'm not like the star of this I, movie but I'm i was it. yeah what is that i was working with Jack nicholson on that thing yeah he's, he's what i noticed about matt damon in all the interviews he's a really good raconteur he's a really good storyteller story yes. and anecdote teller yeah. Um, he's a he's a good mimic, but not too much speed. But he's like he's just a good Grabs dinner. He, he would be great dinner party guest. Yeah, oh, really good. Polite, don't, no, holds his own. Ego as well, I think no. either like knows he's probably the most successful person in the room. He doesn't need to prove it. Uh, yeah. And then of course Christopher Nolan, you know, incredibly thought provoking, incredibly uh, mm. softly spoken, finds a way to say an awful lot, but out without actually ever really making a definitive yeah. statement on anything. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's also like ask him any controversial question, no. and he will answer it but actually i have no idea what he actually thinks on it it's also that like when like killy murphy gets asked a question you can see that he's like well you know i don't know how can i i'm an actor i don't really want to i don't really want to christopher nolan it always has a kind of like well yeah but i've already thought about that yeah yeah, yes you're right to ask that question because it's really important but i've also Mm. you know it doesn't interest me that much because i've already thought about it in my head whereas robert downey jr is just he always at the end of the sentence goes up and it's just I mean, when you see what Killian, he, he Robin, just like Robin. discovered Killian Murphy. Yeah, I know. No. <laughs> like, you're so you, sir, Mr. Killian yeah. here are so incredible. <laughs> RDJ, uh, as as I'll call him, uh, is looking very in all these interviews. Looks very like trim, doesn't he? Looks very sort yeah, of like he looks good. Thin, like post Iron Man workout. Yeah, you know, I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, a hundred million dollars will really help too. <laughs> like fuck you, money. Also, to make you look after yourself. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of. 
Barbenheimer. Welcome everyone to our Barbenheimer it's the episode. Barbenheimer episode. It, we are, I think I said just an episode. I think I think I slipped. Welcome to our Barbenheimer episode. We've all been excited about this all year and we're finally here. Mm-hmm. And I will say that before we go to talk about these films, I have loved this whole phenomenon. Yeah. And seeing it manifest in the flesh in particularly my Barbie screening. Yeah. Oh my God. People dressed up to the nines. I, I watched the previous screening come out and it was like uh, it was like the Macy's Day Parade. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic yeah. seeing the effort and the level of people dressed up to. It was like a Star Wars or a Harry Potter. Just say the thing but I- even even those screens I've been to the past have not seen this much. And I and so just just that level of engagement with m- not only Barbie then Barbie, Barbie Oppenheimer the Barbenheimer mm. crossover. Mm. I can't remember the last time that a film event organically became zeitgeisty i can't remember the last time that cinema it was not just film it's going to the cinema became a zeitgeist event and in a way it's quite touching and i'm like there is hope Mm. and you can't say that cinema is dead no marketing executive in the world would have thought to have paired these two and made a thing out of it no only the internet organic in the wild can do this and i've been really heartwarmed to have seen it when was the last time you've seen that uh, outside of a Star Wars or Marvel property. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, the first thing I think of is like my opening night screening of The Force Awakens, mm. which was like very, very special. There was a guy dressed as Chewbacca when I went. <laughs> that's like, that's it. But it was like still now we look back at like that's star yeah, wars still it's, in its, so, own little, yeah. it's wonderful it was a wonderful experience but this has that that was always they will always feel i've like star wars people yeah. always always like film they've always would have yes. gone to see it whereas this is just like just permeated through yeah and i've seen people wearing barbie tutus and um, oppenheimer hats and yeah. i've seen people blending the two and i i really enjoyed it on this topic mm. of sino- um, simultaneous releases Somebody on Instagram very kindly reached out and shared uh, this post from the uh, from the Academy, you know, the, the Oscars. Uh, this, this post is from a- Amy who sent this to us about his other famous films that have come out on the same day. Mm. So not just Barbie and Oppenheimer. So the the, the most recent examples here are, well, the one that got has been shared a lot is that 15 years ago we had The Dark Knight and Mamma Mia, yeah. which is probably the closest thing you could get to, to Both Barbenheimer. did very well in their time. Both very much well. counter-programming to each other. So we've got um, 1982, we've got Blade Runner and The Thing. Oh, two science really fiction films. That's I don't say that's counter-programming, but it's just two yeah. same... But also less, less supposed, but I'll, I'll give it. Yeah. They always say the thing did badly because it came out in July and it's a massive winter film. You know, it's set in Antarctica. Yeah. And everyone was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" Cold watching yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Blade Runner and the Thing, you had Dark Knight, Mamma Mia. You had The Matrix and Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, really? I know. How about nice. that? That was on March thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. Okay. You've got Die Hard and A Fish Called Wanda on, mm-hmm. in July 1988. Die Hard came out in July again. It's just like, that's Summer, a Christmas film. Yeah. Um, Elf and Love Actually, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. Interesting that two, I guess, still revisited Christmas yes. films came out on the same year. Um, these are very different. Jumanji and Heat. <laughs> nice. In, yeah. uh, on December but the 15th. both have a place in cinema history. Absolutely. Yeah. December 15th, 1995. Heat is not the kind of film I would have expected to be released at Christmas time. Uh, two other different ones as well. Uh, earlier in 1995, Toy Story and Casino. Wow. On November God, 22nd, 1995. Energies. Massively different energies. Yeah. And very similar energies. But that's fine though, because the audiences aren't... 
that's just you don't even yeah. you don't even acknowledge there's no it. crossover yeah. Yeah. yeah but this is a crossover i think um June 8th, 1984, Ghostbusters and Gremlins on the same nice. day. Thank you, Amy, for sharing that post. Speaking of, like, you know, clashes, like, like just this, we've talked about how crazy July and June have been. We've yeah. had Indiana Jones, five, yeah. Mission Impossible, yes. Barbie, Oppenheimer, and the rest. Like, you've got Asteroid City and other yeah. things. That is, um, if I was Mission Impossible, what if I was Tom Cruise, mm. I'd be thinking I should be getting... Mr. Impossible. Mr. Impossible, the impossible man. I should be getting like a couple more weeks of my film being the yeah. biggest thing. But the Barbenheim is just water. There's no doubt it must be affecting Mission Impossible. I'm sure it's, it's done yeah. very well, but... My hope is that maybe people... aren't people... seeing that this weekend, really. No, but maybe next weekend they'll go, well, I've seen Barbie and Oppenheimer now, and I didn't get a chance to see, see Mission Impossible. Impossible. I don't know. I did go yeah. and... I did go and watch Mission Impossible. Yes, I don't know if we want to talk about that now. Or maybe, when, maybe perhaps we have some emails in there. Maybe we want to keep this on for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. So when there's a moment, I will talk about... I, I only have a little brief thing to say yeah. about Mission Impossible 7, which I have now seen. Mm-hmm. But this episode, James, is all about Barbie and Oppenheimer. So we've both been to see it. We've both seen you it. You saw Barbie first. I did. On Saturday. On Saturday daytime. With your family. With my family. Mum and dad dressed in pink. Mum brought us, Oh, your mum looked um, amazing. Mum brought, she had pink pom-poms, yeah. pink like fishnet top, pink everything else. A pink rose heart glasses. Brilliant. Insisted on taking pictures throughout the whole day. <laughs> like, not the screen. <laughs> not the screen. Just, like, going all yeah. in. Um, and yeah, like just, I mean, I'll get into it, but like what it was like to be in that screening with everyone yeah, dressed energy. Pink. Crazy. And of course, this is the school holidays as well. That's what I realized yesterday. Yeah, so this is. Kids around. Um, and you and I saw IMAX together. Yeah. Uh, so we went to the IMAX to see Oppenheimer yep. on Sunday. Pretty much blew out the whole day. Yeah, <laughs> we saw a midday screening. <laughs> no That's the whole day gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I saw Barbie uh, last night yep. um, in Central. By the way, before we get into any of the reviews, I am so glad. I know people have done this on the same day, and like more power to you. I'm just so glad I didn't watch oh these on the same day. God, like, yeah. we'll get into the Oppenheimer, but when Oppenheimer wrapped on the tone that it ends with, I just was like a little bit shooken, and I felt very intense, and I would not have been in the right mind at all yes. to go and see Barbie. I think it would have been really unfair on Barbie. It would have been really strange. Also, the way the messaging of Barbie, conversely, would have made me view Oppenheimer much more. Yeah, through a different lens. I mean, if I'd watched it straight afterwards, I would have gone, "You bunch of Kens, <laughs> yeah, absolute bunch of Kens, <laughs> men deciding yeah. to oh, build the bomb, frustrated <laughs> yeah. about oh, because yeah. the wars will go your way." Yeah. Hopefully, these two female characters can come in and help. So, like, again, so for the phenomenon, I but like, I'm glad I had 24 hours yes. and a night's sleep. And yes. a meal and a cup of tea. To yeah, separate processing like, my two time. Just um, yeah. um, to be safe, we are going to be talking spoiler-free, spoiler-free for these films. And what we're going to do is we're going to record our impressions of these films. We're going to stop, record some more plot-detailed spoiler impressions of these films, which is going to go out Friday. So if you want to hear us talk even more about the films, stay tuned. We're going to put that out later. And many of you have written in with your correspondence about your Thank impressions you. of the film. We hope to read as many of those out as we can, either on this episode or in the spoiler chat as well. So stay tuned. So without further ado, James, let's begin our Barbenheim, Barbenheimer. Yeah, I, I say it in an accent. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer episode. Guys, Barbie is finally out and it is made to be seen on the big screen. And View has the ultimate seat, screen and sound experience. They have great value screenings every day from as little as $4.99 when booked online in selected venues. Guys, View has got a brand new exclusive candy floss flavoured Tango Ice Blast to celebrate the release of Barbie. They sold 26,000 litres of it in the opening weekend, so it must be good. They also have new exclusive Coke Fusion flavours that are made for popcorn pairs 
pairings. So perhaps you fancy going with something sweet with cherry vanilla for Barbie or something salty with orange cherry for Oppenheimer. View has loads of Barbie and Oppenheimer screenings coming out in the next few weeks, so it's very easy for you to make your own Barbenheimer double bill if you fancy. You can find more info on screenings at myview.com. James, before we go into Barbie a second, could I just describe to you my uh, cinema screen experience? Please do. Barbie. So obviously... This isn't actually about the costumes and stuff. That was great. I like, really enjoyed that. Full screening room. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Like that energy. Um, just one of those things that you can't do when you go out. To, you can't, sorry, um, predict when you go out into the public um, mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I ended up sitting next to a man uh, who I later realized was much, much older um, in, in his years, who had a strong, hacking, phlegmatic cough. Um, that would uh, intersperse the viewing of Barbie. And I will admit it was very, very distracting. Um, So James, just to illustrate what I mean, if you could just broadly just describe the film Barbie, who's in it and and who's it's directed by. And I will give you an indication of what it was like to sit next to this person. Please proceed. Barbie is a film director. (laughs) (laughs) Greta going, starring one. (laughs) Really? Is it like those those TikTok memes of dads? You're joking. <laughs> no, I'm Were not joking. Were you not like, did you not look and sort oh, of... Oh, I did the look. I nudged him at one like, point. Like, sort yourself out. This guy was trying not to do that. It was clearly an involuntary thing. And I, but I was like, I just, what the fuck, what the fuck? Is there like popcorn the only, stuck in his No, throat? and he'd just be sat there like this. And then we'd just go like... <sighs> like uh, and so that's in my left ear. For that's the entire ter- screen. Oh, God, that's so, terrible. I know, so I'll be like, hey, Barbie, hey, kid. <laughs> Um, so Get out, demon! I will say that I was a little bit distracted. Oh, that's so annoying. The only thing that gave me comfort was that when the when the lights people. came up at the end and this guy got up, I was like, oh, he's old. Like he was he was like quite doddery and like picked up his coat. Was and it throughout? It was intermittent throughout. Yes, oh. um, there was no point where he went. Oh, that's thank goodness for that. I feel so much better. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, yeah. Stuck yeah. There. Yeah. That's really annoying because it's yeah. it's a continuous uh, I, immersion breaker when you're trying oh, to get involved in yes. the film. And I do think it did uh, it did have an effect, frankly, um, not not too negative. But I just I I got the increasing sense that I was like I'm enjoying this, but I will need to watch this film again. Oh, <laughs> um, so annoying. and I do apologise to our listeners for hearing that. But that aside, yeah. let's talk about Barbie. Greta yeah. Gerwig's Barbie, Barbie, which is out now. So, did you know that a Greta, um, a Barbie movie has been on the cards? For some time, I've heard now. rumblings. Yeah. In 2009, Mattel signed a deal with, I believe, Sony to make a Barbie movie. That went through production, and that eventually fell through. Um, then Amy Schumer was attached yes. to um, write or, or, and star in, and the director who was attached with that um, was speaking about it, uh, uh, about how difficult it was, and she was saying that, you know, even 10 years ago, the feminine feminist discourse rather, was mm. was still much different to how it is today. And they were, every, everyone was very focused on doing like a girl boss, badass success story that kind of uh, undermined what made Barbie who they who she was originally, right? Mm. Kind of like was a massive step away from the brand identity without trying to reconcile the brand identity. And they were very much aware that like the Lego movie had come out and, and mm. that had done it so well. 
anyway, that fell through later. Um, Anne Hathaway was attached. Patty Jenkins at one point was floating around it. And, and um, even though she didn't end up being involved, Margot Robbie has apparently since said that Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman was a big step in helping to get films like this made. Wow, um, ultimately, yeah, ultimately, after Little Women, uh, Greta Gerwig became attached. And uh, Margot Robbie obviously is involved as a, pro- as a producer. Mm-hmm. And then Greta Gerwig not only directs this, but writes this alongside her uh, creative partner, Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. um, uh, who obviously wrote and directed many other films, mm-hmm. Marriage Story, etc. And so we get Barbie. And anyone who knows Greta Gerwig, who has enjoyed Lady Bird and has enjoyed Little Women, as, as we have, will know that um, she is a creative talent, both as an actor and a writer and a director, brimming with ideas and creativity. And is a real new voice that we all... Have enjoyed watching. I mean, I, I say all, but I speak for us definitely. Yeah. That we, yeah, we love Greta Gerwig. It's great in White Noise that came out this year as well. Oh right, that's yeah, yeah absolutely. I didn't see that. Mm. Um, of course, now Baumbach's film. Mm-hmm. So, Barbie, Mattel's Barbie, made with you know the collaboration of the toy company Mattel and uh, featuring Gre- Mattel and Mattel featuring Mattel. Well, yeah. And you know Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, they write this screenplay, which is so bold and meta and 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 strange that Margot Robbie reads and goes, "This is fantastic," but of course they'll never get they'll never get made. Mm. She has since publicly said how great Mattel was. I mean, obviously she has to say how great Mattel was. They're they're paying the bill, but uh, but she has said they, she was surprised at how collaborative and open they were to that mm. to this direction and how much of it they were able to keep in the final cut. So Greta Gerwig's Barbie is this: we are in Barbie Land. Barbie Land is a place where Barbies exist. And there are all kinds of Barbies. There's stereotypical Barbie, played by Margot Robbie. But there's also Senator Barbie, President Barbie, Astronaut Barbie, Pilot Barbie, Barbies wherever you look. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Everything is pink and wonderful. And everyone's house is a Barbie house. Probably a a reference to a different, you know, collection. Mm. I'm sure that, oh, if you were a niche, niche collector of Barbies, loads Mm. loads of stuff in there for you. Um, everything is great. Everything was um, pink and fabulous and everyone gets on and women are empowered and it's this utopian society and everything is great. Barbie can be anything. Barbie can be anything and they are everything and mm. everyone's great. You also have on the sidelines a few Kents played by Ryan Gosling and um, uh, 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 thank you for from Shang-Chi and uh, also Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Sarah as the character of Alan, just oh, the one Alan. Alan. Um, and in this world, it's it's all fun and partying beach ball. And then what happens is Margot Robbie's Barbie suddenly, out of nowhere, gets a creeping sense of self-awareness, a creeping sense of her existential place within this universe. Thoughts of death and the beyond and what it all means. Plagued by these thoughts, she visits weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon, who lives like the wise Greek figure up in uh, a weird Barbie house. Permanently in the splits. (laughs) And Kate McKinnon, as weird Barbie, explains to her that there is Barbie world and there is the real world. And what is happening might be related to the real world. And you, Barbie, might have to go to the real world to sort what is happening with you. Otherwise, bad things will happen. That is as far as I'll go in terms of plot. And you can use your imagination and piece together the rest uh, about what happens next. So James, that's the setup for Barbie. Mm. Greta Gerwig's Barbie. It's pink. It's fabulous. It's there. It's arrived. It's here. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? We we have already sort of half covered my first 
how I how I frame going in to talk about this film, which is that it is it is it is no longer just a film. This Barbie phenomenon, mm. I think, it has grown so much larger than just a piece of cinema. When I look at the clear huge marketing endorsed spend that's gone in ahead of this, yes, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Yes, please. million budget with estimated $70 million on marketing and tie-ins. I mean, that's half the the film's budget, basically. And anyone who's walked down a street in the world recently will have seen countless brand activations and integrations from it, like Airbnb to... um, I literally, when I walk down the street or go on the internet, I feel like, oh, hi, Barbie. Like seeing the ad on the bus. Oh, hi, Barbie. Like the the, the clothing brand integration. Oh, hi, Barbie. Confectionery. Everything. I, I am like completely... Barbified. Barbified. You add that with the thing we both experienced, this people turning up in pink, having this buzz of excitement in the cinema that I can't quite relate to anything else before. And... I do get this sense that like the film is now like needing to match the energy going yes. in. Yeah. And what's interesting about this film is that you know you talked about Mattel and the film sort of being, you know, in development for a long time. It is not just a film. It feels like it is both a complete brand rejuvenation mm. of an otherwise dormant IP mm. and a redefining of what Barbie means in 2023. Mm. And so this sense of excitement and the film opens to what I have to describe as stunning production design. Mm. Plot, anything else aside, the reveal of Barbie's dream house, no. the plastic world, yeah. the, the sort of uh, old studio style mm. uh, flat black drop lighting. Mm. I was completely, completely in awe of it. And my, my, oh, I went to see it with both my sisters and uh, my, my middle sister, who's like three years older than me, used to play with Barbies a lot. And there are a couple of moments where like house reveals happened, mm. you know, like the fold yes, out, yeah. like the medical thing in the house where she went, <gasps> yeah, because she still had that sense of wonder, of like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this. All the, I'd never really seen anything like Toys to Life done mm. like that before. Toy Story represents something really different. This yes. was like in the real world, knock on the plastic. Yes. See, I just thought it was completely, everyone's what eyes just Lego widened. Movie? Lego movie, yeah, but there was more animation, more animation, stop motion kind of, yeah. Uh, what what started is a film that I think matches the energy of the people in the room. Yeah. And I think it's a, a script that I enjoyed seeing was really sharp and really smart. And I thought, oh, this is like one of those smart, dumb films. Like, right. you know, you know, like uh, Team America was like uh, yes. really stupid, yeah. Yeah. but like it's such a smart film yeah. for its time, or, I think. Uh, I've not, not seen it in a really long Romy time. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion as well, I would say. Yeah, they are just like, oh, this is just like such a huge satire, but I, it's, it's really, really smart and I can tell. Mm. And it's a real attempt to make a movie about a fantastical world interacting with our own mm. and you know seeing uh barbie's dream house set amazing i think margot robbie is brilliant in yeah, this yeah, she's absolutely. weirdly yeah. perfect casting for it which mm. is like almost acknowledged in the mm. film i think yes. there's a lot she has to do in it in mm. terms of playing this version of barbie that we know coming to terms with like self-realization yes. and coming conscious and then like realizing what to do with that new perspective ryan gosling's ken wow yes uh, it's probably and i really like ryan gosling one of his best ever roles i think so yeah and we've seen him do funny before have we have we uh, seen oh, in, like the nice guys yeah, the nice maybe guys. crazy stupid love but i think and this I think, is his uh, most physical comedic performance yeah. and you can tell he just threw himself yeah. into it and he ken made me laugh consistently yeah. throughout the entire film um and i think look y- you can tell that this has been written and made by people 
that have something to say. Yeah. It is not a hollow and thin script. Mm, a corporate exercise. It's, yes, yeah. it's not. Like, you know, I actually found, I said this when I reviewed Mario, that I felt like it was a bit corporate approved. Mm. I felt like it was very safe. I wanted yeah. more of satire. This really didn't feel like fingerprints mm. had been over it at all. So... I do get the sense that this is very pointed and very and very and very direct, and it's a really wonderful satirization of not just Barbie world mm. but our own world, and it represents as a really fun extreme of both. I think if I was to be quite brutal, I'd say that there are certain moments where different parts in the world don't quite land, and I'm a little bit uh, confused about some of the sequences feeling a bit tonally spliced. I'm not mm. quite sure where they land. I think towards the end, the film does feel a little bit burdened by how much it tries to solve. Mm. The film covers so much mm. and it gives me so much to laugh at and so much to think about. I have a couple of moments towards the end where I'm like, whoa, this is mm. a lot. And I'm still, I'm still having a great time, but I think you've maybe just gone so so far no, in with it yeah i'm a little bit like get, uh, bring me back down it's, it's like you've zoomed it's a tight out tightrope walk it really yeah. is I, th I think mostly it, re it really does succeed but um that, that ultimately i think it manages weirdly to work for people who love barbie and people who hate barbie mm, like you, yeah. could, you could dip in and, and be the first i think that's a really smart place to line i think it's a wickedly smart ridiculing of humanity yeah. and the weird creations we have and how we like to play and assign ideas of gender and not a kid's film no no not it really isn't. Film. I, there really was a, isn't. probably a six-year-old girl in my screening and i felt like saying it's true i didn't Sorry. think about that it's not it's the it's like film. fantastic mr fox and, and i don't think that's, i don't think it's probably i think it's you know probably like 13 up um and that's not or 12 i'm not i don't want to insult the intelligence of children no it's, that's true and i'm not saying that, and i think a lot of it's made for young girls yeah I, i'm not absolutely. saying that there's nothing that kids can't engage in this but i think that there it's, it's maximum level is is writ large on an, is an adult audience and just to hear the laughters and the reaction in the yes. room so, it's not a trolls movie no, not Nothing at all. Nothing against trolls. Maybe. But it's not also one of those films, I don't think it was also split where it was like this bit for the kids, this bit for the adults, this bit for the kids. I think no, it was much yeah. more... I, I would say, I, I agree with everything you say. I think that um, it, it's... When you say it's made with an idea, it's so clear that Coretta Gerwig has been like, you know, if you bring me in, let me do my thing yeah. because I'm not interested in making a hollow exercise. And it is a, a, a real tightrope to walk because there are have been other examples of films where... You know, you let in someone who wants to do it, wants to make things meta, absurd, mm. self-referential, and it can fall flat in its face. Mm. And I never got the sense that it was ever going to tip over. Even when it, 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 I agreed where the balance between its message and its story become a little bit uneven. Just about starting. I, yeah. I had so much confidence in Gerwig's vision and idea yeah. and and belief in her that I that I still enjoyed. Her company, and actually, that's a big thing. I really enjoy spending time with Greta Gerwig as a as a presence as a filmmaker yeah. throughout this whole film. I think that it's clear in so many ways that she loves filmmaking and she loves cinema. There are so many uh, references, like for example, the Mattel boardroom. She has said mm. is is Doctor Strangelove. It's the same uh, yeah, yeah. table instead of Doctor Strangelove. There's there's a Kubrickian opening so and much. Kubrickian corridors. There's some um, Jacques Demy references as well. If you can go online and read all about the references, for me, I got a, I got a bit of Elf. Yeah, not same. just because the Will, Will Ferrell. Obviously, the Lego Movie, th the third act of the Lego Movie informs, I think, is that the whole of this Toy Story three thing of don't throw away your toys. <laughs> yes, very much. Um, that. Also, if anyone has seen um, the Hal Ashby film Being There, I think there's a touch of that as well with Peter mm. Sellers. Um, Big as well. 
Big, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, apparently even things like the red shoes. Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve as well. Yeah. And, and Greta Gerwig talks about being, you know, raised at a Catholic school. And maybe that has informed her. But actually mm. the whole thing about Eden and self-awareness, suddenly becoming self-aware. And a greater you know, plane existing beyond our own. Exactly. Control or something. Um, I, I agree. I love all things with Ken. They, the, the, what I love is that there were jokes relating to Ken and masculinity and the patriarchy mm-hmm. that I've, that I, I was sorry with my girlfriend. Yeah. That only I, I found very, very funny. And right, she, okay. she maybe laughed or it might've gone completely over her head, but conversely there were jokes that went over my head that she yeah. found really funny relating to womanhood and femininity and, and yeah. feminism, which is great. I love that sometimes. And it felt like a little thing from, um, for me and, and some of the observations and the skewering of men uh, is brilliant. And there's a whole interaction between Will Ferrell, who's, just doing the most Will Ferrell yeah. in the best possible way performance ever. If you, I can see Greta Gerwig being like, "This role needs Will Ferrell," and Will Ferrell yeah. being like, "Do you want me to do Will Ferrell?" And you can his, call me mother. Yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> his interaction with Barbie in the Mattel headquarters is just like so funny, and and just sends up like pack male pack mentality in the yeah. most silliest fun, but also like you know gloves on way. You know, not it's not below the belt. It's mm. Not that, that would matter, but um, I, I I just think that that's really really charming. Um, I also think Will Ferrell's cl- casting and comedic style also helps you helps the audience understand that the real world in the Barbie movie is also surrealist. Yes, like this this boardroom with like likes of Jamie Dimitri, who I really yes, enjoyed yeah, in there. Yeah. Like this also is like completely nuts. Yes, and it's also to be taken with a pinch of salt. Yes. It's it's an impression of our real world. Well, exactly. And, and going into Barbie, I really didn't know what to expect because obviously we know Greta Gerwig has such a strong style. And I'm so glad that the film has been able to deliver, again, mostly successfully, yeah. uh, absurdist, surrealist, meta kind of commentary that that works with the um, with the brand. Um, yeah, I had I I laughed a good few times. Um, Michael Sarah, great to have him. Yeah, in. he's some so great um, a great walk on moment with Rob Brydon. Just did you see the yeah, thing, yeah, that I little blink and you'll miss <laughs> Rob Brydon? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think I think there's 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 so much to enjoy, and I just yeah I really enjoyed spending time with Greta Gerwig and and, and her company in this, and I two thirds of the way through not just because of the hacking cough to my left, but I was like I really I really look forward to rewatching this because yeah. it is made so meticulously and so, so detailed. I want to pick it all up Great and visual uh, gags as well. And also I think on a deeper level, what I really was warned by is that for all its you know slight imbalance that it's made Greta Gerwig you said about it's made for people who love Barbie and mm. then like you understand Greta Gerwig I just think in this film the film is able to emulate such a pride and love and warmth for women yeah that it's it's really heartwarming just to be kind of kind of witness to that yeah Greta Gerwig's love and of womanhood and and women is just like there's one particular moment towards the end we can talk about this in the spoiler chat mm. where that kind of comes through um, and I thought that was, that was wonderful. And, and it's still, it is still, it's refreshing. It's so refreshing to have this kind of inventive presence. So um, I just want to kind of dive back in and watch it again. Yeah. Again. Again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of what I said before about, you know, even as problematic as Barbie has been known, we haven't recovered this, but like mm. Barbie is a brand and yes. it's like as a child's toy or a little girl's toy mm. representing women as like this version has yeah, been object, con- con- objectified, objectified, high beauty standards, incre- unrealistic, ridiculous yeah. beauty standards. That's been something that's like 
if you're not like for a long time, it's been I'd say out of fashion. I don't. I'm not a little girl. I don't have a, a daughter mm. that I would buy toys for. So I'm really out of the loop. But mm. from what I'm aware, it's not considered like the most cool toy to get for your little girl right now. Right. Right. So, but that there is no doubt that people of Greta Gerwig's age and mm. ten years plus and minus would have played and loved Barbies. Despite them being problem problematic, you can tell yeah, it, that everyone yes. still had this wonder of playing dress up, mm. playing fantasy. And you just do see that. You mm. do see that regardless of like how problematic this is, mm. there is something incredibly beautiful and special about like mm. dressing someone up yes. and playing with them in a world, creating a fantasy where everything's yeah. okay. And that you, you that the film indulges that fantasy mm. for people. And that's a really cool thing to like figure out. It makes you realize that Barbie is so iconic it's a word that like beetles you know it's just yeah. like like uh, the beetles not the insect obviously yeah. but it's, it's so iconic and filled with so just down to one word coca-cola yeah. you know it's 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 yeah i i, I think the understanding you're right it, it's funny that to have a brand that is that iconic but also has been that dormant yeah no other barbie film to my knowledge has been and i'm not talking about like the what the chip the kids ones that no. go out for like this 45 minutes long i mean like barbie film barbie yeah. film uh, like just think, you know that moment where Ken gets like injured in inverted commas. Oh yes, and it's like he they go to the medical thing and it opens up <laughs> and he gets like the scan. It's like oh I guess I'm okay because that's how a child playing who sent Ken to hospital yeah. would treat Ken and yes. he'd be fixed within about eighty seconds. I will I will say the first act I I was you know enjoying it but it was so you know distinct and unique in its own voice. I was with it but I was in my head I was like what. <laughs> you know, like I'm. It's a lot. I, I, I'm. I'm, the I'm just number. I, that's that's the thing. That's why I think I also enjoy it on a on a second viewing because mm. I think the first, I was kind of. You just want to this first view. You're kind of gazing at what Greg Gerbig is doing and the yeah. whole world, and you want to be part of it. And so in that first act, when they're building the world of the Barbie, I was like, I'm just trying to work out what the rules are here and how yeah. the world works and everything. But I'm sure when I go back in second viewing, I'll know all of that, yeah. and I'll be able to see the deeper, funnier, um, more intrinsic things. Here's an email about Barbie from Travis who says, Hi, Barbies. I started listening to you guys on my way to a half marathon a few months ago and I've listened ever since. I associate the pod with that great memory now. Uh, nice. uh, I've written in before, but I haven't got it. I ha I've written in before, but you haven't gotten to it yet. So no worries. Sorry, Travis. We do have a lot. and uh, We have to prioritize the Barbie one. Yeah, we have to prioritize the Barbie one. So we're getting to this one first. Anyway, I just watched Barbie last night. Firstly, I want to say that I really felt connected to the audience as a whole. I felt like part of an experience. Normally in theatres, I try to switch off and go full tunnel vision and ignore everyone else in the room. But watching Barbie, though, it felt like everyone was having a great time and I didn't feel the need to do this. And it felt like a collective rather than an individual. That's amazing. That's such a cool... That's exactly what we're kind of touching on here. Yeah. That is... A that is the, what cinema is at its heart, and I think it's. Have you heard everyone's? That. I mean, you've said it today. Like people have been saying, "Cinema's back." Because literally two weeks ago, we were like, "Cinema might be dead." Yeah. I know we weren't saying yeah. that, but it was like, oh, "I think I'm, I've come very. I, I, I think, think I'm very simple. So very simple about this: the uh, films that are good are, are good. doing well. Yes, <laughs> like, the films that are bad. All the analysis yeah. about is it the streamers? No. Is it the pay? no? The films that are good are doing well. I think it's also goes to show that cinema, the, fa the, the fate of cinema is in the audience's hands, yeah. right? Don't, don't try, don't try to think you're smarter than an yeah. audience. Don't think that the audience will let you know. Trust the audience yeah. to inform your decision. Anyway, secondly, Travis writes, I had no idea about the plot going in. Neither did I actually. I, I had no idea. But I, I knew she was going to go into the real world. That's oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea about the plot going into it and had a complete open mind and was thoroughly surprised. The cinematics were amazing. The cinematics. Yeah. The cinematics were amazing. The cinematics is a descriptor. 
Yeah. I never heard that. What like? Oh, just, is it now? The cinematic. The cinematic what? The cinematics. Do you mean I'll like give it to the you. cinematography? The cinematics. Yeah. Just the general cinema vibe. What does that mean? Well, if if you have a cinematic, yeah, yeah, I All think right. it works. Okay. Yeah. The cinematics were amazing and didn't feel cheap or childish. It felt very if. It very comfortably fit into this perfect slot in my mind of knowing what it is, not taking itself too seriously, but also not going completely the other direction either. I knew exactly what it was. Yeah, you can almost respond to it quite intuitively. Yeah. Again, I can't overstate some of the shots I saw and um, uh, will be looking out for Greta Gerwig's work in the future. I think going in with zero expectations for this film and no knowledge of the plot is exactly the way to do this. Yeah. We have been trying to... Re- we've not revealed anything more than you would have got in a trailer, less than actually. We've been very minimal on the yeah. plot detail in this review. I don't really have a question for you guys, but just wanted to expand my thoughts and uh, send that in. So uh, love the pod. Sirens on, our, sirens on our end, Travis from Ireland. Thank you, Travis on Barbie. Guys, um, we have plenty of Barbenheimer emails from you, but I'm sure many of you will be getting to the films in the coming weeks. If you did have impressions on Barbie, please do send them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to sort of keep getting feedback about them Absolutely. in the coming weeks. Um, and do, do you think we got it right? Did we yeah. miss something? Oh, we, I, I do have something to say. There has been a sort of criticism uh, of the film from certain types of people on right the wing internet. conservatives, yeah. Basically, this criticism that uh, the Barbie film is presenting gender roles in an incredibly reductive and simplistic view, especially towards men. I, don't, right? I, do, I completely disagree. And right. um, I, I think, like, when I see that, and I see it's a massive satire, right? Because I, I indulge some of these reviews for like a few a few minutes just to be yeah. like, let me see your point here. And basically they're saying that the depiction of Ken and men in general being like emotionally volatile yeah. and stupid. And I'm almost like, do you understand that like, yes, Barbie represents an extreme world, yes. but the real world they present to you is also not real yes. and kind of meant to be. It is a satire. It is meant to like yeah. poke fun at everything that we've done and make it laugh. As a man, I never felt like personally attacked no. by like- I think, I think can, yeah, can I say, if you're a man and you watch Barbie or, I mean, these people probably wouldn't watch Barbie, but if you're a man and you watch Barbie and you feel threatened or, I by think, like or, that or misrepresented, I think- And you think you in any way are representative of like uh, those men. I think you've got bigger issues And also I think like there, for women, yeah. like that I, I, idea of feminism Femininity yeah. is also like incredibly strange. I thought I thought the jokes about men in, in the film were very very funny, very funny. and very and like and we're all aware of it. And it's like yeah. yeah, it doesn't yeah, it's not it's not consensus. It's just yeah. I, thought I love there's funny. a moment where he goes to like a corporate job and he goes to this guy's like hi, I'd like a job and he's like uh, and he's like well, do you have an MBA? No. Well, if you get one, we can give you one. <laughs> and he's like you guys are not doing patriarchy very well. And he's like well. We actually are. We're yeah, just a yeah. lot more subtle about it now. <laughs> That's so funny. I think this idea that yeah. like men are secretly like doing yeah, the play, patriarchy play behind the, back. the face of being good, but actually, yes, but that's yeah, very totally. funny. That, yeah, is, that is, funny. is very funny. Yeah, of course it is. Um, just look at the news. Um, I think that the, the, the whole Ken subplot with the Ken sort of realization I hadn't expected at all. No, and I think. It, it, the whole point that the Ken thing builds to, I think, is is really. But that is, guys, that is our Barbie review. We'll watch out for the spoiler one coming out later this week. But let us know your thoughts, and we'll get to them. That was Barbie. another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bobby. So George, our first ever episode of Pop Kitchen is titled something like predicting Nolan's new film. Yeah, or reacting to Nolan's reacting new, to Nolan's new yeah, film. Yeah, you're right. Oh that God. was nearly two years ago now. Yeah. And I think that fact that we were anticipating this film two years ago really sums up how excited you and I and yeah. film fans get to discover a new Nolan film. Yeah. He's never afraid to bring the biggest possible idea to the table. Mm. In so many ways, his films have always represented, you know, modern cinema, very cutting edge, Mm. often futuristic. But despite that, they all have this timeless quality. Mm. It's very much in a sort of stripped back old school approach, a preference for analog filmmaking. Mm. VFX is more of a seasoning than a whole centerpiece Mm. for the film, very much trendy now. And it's the marrying of those two that I think really defines Nolan's style. Mm in 2023 and i say like you know discover a known film his films are always puzzles mm. that need to be solved right and you know as always you and i very excited to go and see mm. it we've been talking about it all year and it's more that we're not just excited to see it i think it's exciting to unpack it and discuss it and i think even though his films are always highly regarded he's definitely a divisive filmmaker mm-hmm. i think if you look at films like dark Knight rises mm. tenet interstellar mm. like people do mm. sometimes despite like praising it and, and acknowledging for what it's done yeah he, he does he does often divide divide audiences yeah. sometimes because again the biggest idea possible of course told in the biggest way i mean i mentioned this other other idea the other the other week that he seems to be flipping between big sci-fi idea retelling of historical mm. war film back to big sci-fi idea reta- and now we've got like retelling of moment in history um, I had a very surface understanding of this story, of mm. the story of Oppenheimer. I knew the name, mm. I knew what he had done, but I really didn't know much about the detail of it. And yeah. I was quite excited to go, I'm quite happy for Chris and to just yeah, to tell take, me. take me on that journey. So this film is a retelling of Oppenheimer's life. It is a Nolan screenplay based on the 2005 novel American Prometheus, which covers Oppenheimer's first intersection with quantum physics in the late 1920s through to the final moments of World War II and the period into the late 1950s following it. Uh, He was known as the father of the atomic bomb with numerous other real scientists like Albert Einstein, Niels Bohr, Edward Teller, Richard Feynman. And what we find is that Oppenheimer is recruited into a race to build the first atomic bomb faster than the Nazis. There's sort of this sense that this escalating World War II is all sort of culminating in one point, which is going to be who can create the biggest weapon of mass destruction that is going to end the war. Um, And Oppenheimer is recruited by a very terrified General Groves, played by Graves, played by... Is it Groves? I think it's Groves. Played by Matt Damon. Um, And so in one sense, it's this... depiction of the Manhattan Project, which Oppenheimer was Mm. the head of, but also very much concerned with his life, Mm -hmm. both before the Manhattan Project and afterwards, his intersection with politics, Mm. his personal life, and how that all ultimately culminates 
in this story. Mm. Um, it's a story that's told in very known a way in two different periods of time. Three, even. That's three, technically. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, uh, notable in the ways in which color is used, mm. one in black and white, one in color. Uh, the stuff in color very much being from Oppenheimer's perspective mm. and later in life told from sort of a more objective view and we've got this sort of Nolan cutting of, you know, people talking about the impact of things that have happened as you're watching them in the same scene yeah. happening in front of you. We've got a huge cast involved in this. You've yes. got more than I realised would be. In the same way that Barbie has yes. lots of surprise, like all people turning up for one scene. Lots of people, I was like, oh, he's this, in it. Well, this has, um, I was like, oh, this has every white male actor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no. I will preface that it's a very male heavy cast, but like... That this this story of history is uh, yes. is very heavy. So we've got Killian Murphy, Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Jason Clark, Benny Safdie, Rami Malek, Alden Ehrenreich, Josh Hartnett, Dane DeHaan, excuse me, Gary Oldman, Tony Conti, Casey Affleck, Kenneth Branagh. Mm. There are some more in Did there. Did you say Josh but, Peck as well? Yeah, Josh Peck is in there. Yeah, yeah he's in there for Jack a Quaid. Yeah, Jack Quaid. I mean, it just yeah. just endless and uh, and I will say Rami Malek for. Most of the runtime, I thought, are you not going to have any lines? Yeah, is this it? Yeah, he mentioned us coming to his own. Yeah. But George Oppenheimer, you, as we said before, we went to go and see yeah. it at the, at the projected IMAX film as part of Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, how did you get on with it? So Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer, I uh, it, it's so much to take in, it's so much to digest. Particularly also, we've had so much anticipation mm. with it. I think, broadly speaking, I can say that I think Oppenheimer is pretty good with things that I am less keen on. Mm -hmm. No deep intrinsic problems necessarily. I think a lot of my issues with it come down probably to personal taste. Right. Um, but I do think on the whole, broadly speaking, there's a lot to get on with and a lot to enjoy here. Let's talk about the good stuff first. A bit like you said with Greta Gerwig and Barbie, mm -hmm. as soon as this begins, I, as with all Nolan films, it is clear he has an idea, he has a vision, mm -hmm. and you are watching that, good or bad, throughout the, the whole three-hour runtime. And I was absolutely ready to take that in. I was, I, was, I was happy to be in the presence of someone who was making the film the exact, in the way that, the film they wanted to make in the way they wanted to make mm. it. I think that um, everything that is Nolan-esque and we've been coming to know about Nolan is there. Strong visuals, fantastic um, Hoyt van Hoytema cinematography. Yeah. Um, I think uncharacteristic maybe of a Nolan or maybe I haven't paid attention to it, to, to, to it as much as before. An incessant unbroken score yes, throughout well. every single scene. Unrelenting. Um, not Hans Zimmer this time, I believe. No, it's, um, um, sorry, forgive me, I'll get it up. Uh, it's Ludwig Göransson. And, thank you, it is also, you know, just even though it, it, is, it, it is classic Nolan, non-linear, cuts back and forth, mm. forth, thought, forth, there are actually, you can distill act one, act two, and act three into yes. distinctive chapters. I actually, with Act One, I was really captivated. Sorry, I was on the whole captivated throughout, but but with Act One in particular, I really enjoyed the interrogation of Oppenheimer as a character pre-Manhattan Project. And what I realized is, this is a genre we've never seen Nolan do before, yeah. a biopic. And I was interested to see how Nolan does that. And it, it was really interesting to see. And I was realizing that Nolan has not had a, a deep lead protagonist that he's been able to base a film on, I would say, since Memento, because hear me out, mm -hmm. Tenet, the protagonist, the character, called is not, it's called the protagonist, yeah. has zero depth to build anything on. Um, Dunkirk is an ensemble. Yeah. 
Uh, Interstellar, yes, Matthew McConaughey is the lead character, but it's not it's not about him. In the same way, Inception is more about Cobb, I agree. But I think it's it, still a very cold the film is about Cobb's life, exactly. Yeah. And I think it, you know the prestige is is, is is big. It's more about stuff. But this is the one time I think a singular protagonist is the sole um, is the primary focus of Nolan's attention. And uh, uh, Oppenheimer's in basically ninety five percent of this. Film, Absolutely, I'd say. I mean, he, Nolan has said he's try he tries to make the film as much as possible from Oppenheimer's perspective. Yeah. Led, commanded by a you know, fantastic performance by Killian Murphy. We knew, we knew he was great. I feel like now, as Robert Downey Jr. says, mm. the wider world gets to see yeah. you. But he has always been fantastic and he delivers absolutely. In a way, he captures this period voice that Oppenheimer has that is not too, is probably a distant cousin of Daniel Plainview. And I think there is a, there's more than a few touches of There Will Be Blood. It's a lost film, actually. American accent, isn't it? Yes, it, it's slightly patrician, slightly yeah. developed, but it's clearly... Educated, and they will not believe it yes, until they not, used it. Yeah, um, it's uh, and the, the there will be bride is. I mean, it sounds a bit of a lazy comparison, but just a few times with Killian Murphy with a funny accent standing in the desert with a pointy hat, looking at a derrick <laughs> being built, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's something going on here. I also yeah. think actually um, the film bears a, quite a, a close resemblance to Damien Chazelle's First Man in uh, the sure, study, yeah. uh, not just in the cinematography as well, but like the study of a of a historic figure from a particular period in American history mm. that is um, got other things going on in their life. And you and I have both said, First Man, I think, is an underrated film. Yeah, absolutely. So the, what I love, there's bits in the first act where the editing is is, is showing uh, Oppenheimer as a young man and it's intercutting with visions of a universe that he is struggling to understand. He is a man tainted by genius mm. and he's seen the raw chaos of the universe trying to put it together before his very eyes. And... What I also love is Nolan is able to show that this is at a time and a context where the universe and our perception of reality was changing. It's not just science. We see him listening to um, uh, jazz. We see him reading T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. We see him engaging with like psychotherapy and what looking at Picasso paintings. And it's like that post-First World War period, that interwar period was everyone's imagination and perception of what the world can be of following on from the horror of World War I was up for question. Everything was being debated. And he actually does say that later in a conversation, but... Um, Ideology of how you run the world. Like exactly. Everything. Why can't there be a revolution of ideas in every single sector? And that's what he was trying to bring to America. And I really enjoyed that. And, you know, like I said, captivated, enthralled by the sheer scales and, and cinematicness of, of, of Oppenheimer. If I, would, if I was to say what Oppenheimer doesn't quite work for me, is that I think... I have a couple of points. My, my main thing is that I... Again, this might be personal taste. I just think it's, it's, it's important to remember that this is a three-hour film and I don't actually mind it being a three-hour film. I was, I was with it. I just wish a couple of times that Nolan gave me, as an audience member, more time to think and more importantly, more time to feel. The longer the film went on, the more... And, 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 that, early, so that, that, that pace I described, it hits early on with incessant score and dialogue and information, it hits that point very early on. And that's great. And that's thrilling. But over the course of three hours, it stays at that point. And I think that's the longer the film goes on, does a slight disservice to what's happening. And I became increasingly aware that scenes started to be told, became very similar and almost started to uh, blend in with each other. Obviously there are key distinctive moments aside, like the Trinity test, etc. Mm-hmm. Scenes kind of rolled into each other and, uh, I felt increasingly towards the end that he was 
bombarding me with information. I, like I said, I, can, I know that he's passionate about this subject, yeah. but it became to the point where I felt like Nolan was almost possessive of this story and trying to cram in every single bit of information that was rele- that he could that he, he read uh, into this film. And I actually think what would have helped, but, but what I think personally, personally, what I would have liked, I'm not saying I'm not telling Nolan to make a film, I would have liked to if. 20 to 30% of the information in this film was taken out and the and let the rest of the film breathe and let me understand and connect to the film in a non-information based way. And what I mean is there are countless scenes of people coming in giving you information in acronyms and things about events and, and names and details. Mm. And after a while I was like, this isn't necessary to, to me to, un- to get into this film. There's, for example, there's one bit it's a silly bit to, to focus on, but it just goes to show you the sheer number of details that you're bombarded with. Like, Around the time of the test, Jack Quaid's character just says, don't give me those glasses. The, the UV will protect me. The, 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 the yeah. glass in the car will protect me. And you're thinking, oh, that's interesting. And that moment, it doesn't actually go anywhere. It's not really relevant. Right, and, yeah. and I felt like saying, that might be interesting. And I'm sure there's a reason you included that, Nolan. But actually, for the story you're trying to tell, I don't think that's necessary to me. You're just filling me full of information. And I felt sometimes like Nolan was sat in front of me reading this textbook, really give me all the information he needed. And I, and I felt like it's, cinema is more than just how much information you can give me, particularly the third act as well, which I felt was almost, but uh, like he was doing almost for the sake of biography. I'm like, no, no, think of the story you're trying to tell. Can we just give us a moment to process this and think about this in a way where you're not telling me the whole time. It's almost like we are saying with Barbie, becoming mm. a little bit didactic. Um, and, let, and let me feel, I know Nolan's not typically known for being, feeling and, and emotional i'll get onto that but i just thought a couple of moments let me let me connect to this a little bit known and let this sink in instead of give me the latest factoid and the latest bit of information that or trivia from that time um to give you an anecdote just to compare to that by the way it's like my parents last month went to see bruce springsteen at a concert right mm. and he played a three-hour set right so like nolan three-hour yeah. film and i asked my parents afterwards like how was it and they're like you know he was good but he came on and he like went went in for it straight away and he played every song at 11. Yeah. The problem with that was, is that every song then sounded the same. Uh, Over the course of three hours, every song started to sound the same because it was just, there was no distinction in it. And I would have liked a little bit more nuance in the way that was told. It's a very, yeah, a bit more of an ebb and flow. Um, So that's why I said, take away like 20, 30% of the information. Um, Big thing, just personally, Nolan can't do women. He doesn't know yeah. how to do women. Uh, he doesn't really know how to do people, but I'll start with the women first. When Emily Emily Blanton and Florence Pugh are basically the only female characters worth yeah. noting. Uh, Olivia Thrillby comes in at one point, but her character was introduced and out of the film so quickly, you don't have a chance to blink. Um, with Emily Blunt, I think she is kind of wasted. She's brought into the film hither and dither, sort of to relate to Oppenheimer's uh, things, but I just felt completely underused and, or misused uh, Emily Blunt, which is such a thing. She's such a talent. Uh, and again, it, it was pretty quick. I was like, not another alcoholic, dejected wife, yeah. Nolan. Come on, please. That's a scene I did Do, you, really do like. you see women in another way? Like, can, you, can we see women in another way? Mm. And frankly, I thought the whole Florence Pugh thing could have just been not there. Could have not been there. I could have done without that whole thing. I, I understand it to an extent. I, th- I think it became, I mean, it's a spoiler thing. We can pick up on the spoilers, but. All right, you know, yeah. we'll talk about that in the spoiler, yeah. but I think there's some elements that, are, but that, that's, sorry, that's another point of like information where it's like. That's I completely agree with you. Like the, 
the female character, you know, a, a story, if you're looking at a story which is predominated by men, you have a decision of how you want to include yeah. women, right? If you're saying, I can't see the women involved in this, it's the wife and it's a uh, romantic partner, if we're being yeah. really cynical, you are then choosing how you want to involve women in that story based on the research. Yeah. And I did find it a slightly poor inclusion for that. Um, I think that Robert Downey Jr. is great. Oh, and I so love, good. I love seeing, I was going to ask this, have you ever seen a non-Marvel, non-comedic Robert Downey Jr. episode? Thank you. Well done. Yeah. You're right. And I've missed that Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, me too. It's great to see him back. Oh, fantastic. I was also thinking if everyone's seen, Cha have you ever seen Chaplin where he plays Charlie Chaplin? No. Richard Attenborough film? It was great. Yeah. That. And like, I really enjoy seeing that back. I do think that the third act, where it really goes into committees, hearings, paperwork, bureaucracy, I thought, Nolan, come on. This is, this, I don't need all this to get me through. I found the black and white color unnecessary frankly and a distraction it didn't help it didn't aid or anything i just found it a distracting stylistic choice which he's done before and at the beginning we're given like dunkirk uh, a, a, a number and a, and a title and then it goes away yeah well exactly yeah. so it's like it shows fish oppenheimer it says fish and i think with the um strauss's fusion the other way around and then that's never dealt with again doesn't need to be there it's not it's not like a problem but i'm like no just less nolan less i clutter. think i need i think i needed the black and white to tell no. between really what, yeah no. because like, also it's but it's but it but it's not like it's about the past it's about it's not even the future it, or, the, or the present day rather it's strauss's particular point of view yes but that like a lot of strauss's stuff the black and white was taking place in that very specific week in the mid 1950s right and then evolving on mm. from that so to differentiate that from a very fast moving first hour and a half true i think i think i did appreciate it but i can see what you mean but being jarring or something so i'm sorry i've kind of i think i've actually spent probably a little bit too long on what i didn't think worked for me but that's because in a way we're holding it to you, a very high standard also well. also like I'm not saying I take Nolan for granted, but like I got exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the things that didn't work because I wasn't expecting that in a way. But I think it is if you asked me what a Nolan biopic would look like, it would be exactly this. And I think, again, a bit like Barbie, I would look forward to kind of diving back in there and getting a hold of it and 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 just being in awe of it again because, it, but it, because some of it is, is, is really spectacular. And it does, there is a darkness and a kind of, sinister to us about big you know existential questions again mm. a bit like barbie yeah they get under your fingernails that do kind of stay with you but sorry james that's my kind of initial knee-jerk reaction to oppenheimer how did you find it my criticism of oppenheimer is similar to yours out the gate coming out of it i thought that is an incredibly impactful film mm. it's a film that really does blow you away pun very much intended i would say i was felt exhausted yeah then, it's yeah. it's and I'll, and I'll get on to like sort of the way which i think you touched on the way in which it, it gives you information and pacing um uh, just out of the gate killian murphy incredible this mm, this yes. whole idea that we've been really used to for a long time of using large format to show your landscapes and your mm. and your wide but like have you ever thought about putting it in front of your main character and you mm. give a character like that trying to contemplate as much as he does. Mm. And his it's blue this, marble his eyes. Incredible eyes that with a thousand yard stare, he's not just looking at what's in front of him, he sees the consequences of the entire future of humanity. Mm. And that that really did work. Um, it is a film that is incredibly impactful. You, I think the film demands an enormous amount from its audience, yes. right? And it's not just the fact that it's a three hour runtime. It's the information you need to keep up with. That's right there. The score rarely breaks and it carries you through this incredibly mm. relentless, restless mm. story with very long dialogues, mm. intense monologues, 
talking scenes with very fast Aaron Sorkin-esque style mm. overlapping. It reminded me of the overlapping scenes in um, Steve Jobs. Yes. When you've got those like arguments happening through. I, I would say some of Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and Betty Safdie. I even though. put like in a much more, because I think it's one of the most, one of the more intimate films known as done, a lot of Terrence Malick work. Mm, right? Yes, I, I Very close up camera, a, 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 a person, a view of a person remembering things through time, mm. informing their mm. their version of actions now. Like, that was very Terrence, Terrence Malick for me. Um, I think what happens is you've got this, I was immediately engrossed. I thought fascinating, yeah. late 1920s physics. This really cool idea of you are a genius. You need to find your place in physics. I know who you should study mm. under. And this whole idea of like, you have now intersected with quantum physics. We are relying on you as scientists to uproot your life, mm. move to this university and teach this entire nation about mm. your area of quantum physics. And you can't upload it to the internet. You have to write it on yep. a chalkboard and hope one person turns up so you can communicate mm. it. I thought that's such a cool thing that you've brought this physics yeah. there. It builds to this incredible building of stakes with Matt Damon mm. and the threat of communism and what this means to beat Hitler to it. Mm. And the lead up to the Trinity test, mm. which I thought was a fantastic build up. Mm. The tension that was built was everything that you expect from an Erland film. Really well done. The Trinity test happens. We all know from history that it's successful mm. and the ramifications of it. I think because there's like an hour and a half, so maybe even two hour build up to that moment. Yeah. And an hour after that, so yeah. And so. I think what happens is there is a post Trinity test mm. come down, right? Mm. Of... There's this very cool moment after the Trinity test where we're realizing what this all means. Yeah. And instead of breathing, and like I think you said, giving you a chance to think, we jump into this undoubtedly very, very interesting mm. period of 10 years following afterwards, but told very, very quickly. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, the first time I saw, saw Inception, I thought... That was amazing. I just about kept up with what was mm. going on. I think watching this, I was just about keeping up with yes, what was going same. on. I'm actually very much looking forward to rewatching it yes. for that reason. I know that there is so much information in there that I really want to pick mm. up. Now I know the dynamic and where it all leads to in the end, which mm. I think was a really great ending. Mm. I would love to go in again. I'd love to watch it with subtitles. And you, just th like, yeah, that was what I was God, thinking. That and that's great. not always a compliment, though. To I film, know what you but mean, but just like uh, you, you, you have that post post moment. And the way which she decides to shoot that is really definitive and interesting. And then it's a lot of names that people I think I know the name of, a lot of places I haven't quite got, and a lot of dynamics that I've been distracted from for the yeah. last hour. That being said, I still found the telling of that story yes. very compelling. The acting talent in the room mm. for all of those scenes was just remarkable. I want to give a shout out to Jason Clark, who I thought oh, was yeah, really good. I always good. love him. He's, he's really just sort of uh, one of the best supporting actors you can cast in your yes. film these days. He's just really solid, really reliable. I, I, if you don't mind me interjecting, I would yeah. say Josh Hartnett has almost got a bigger role than Florence Pugh in this. Absolutely. And I didn't. I forgot he was in this film. Yeah. Oh, Josh no, Hartnett. And he's in it a lot. You so know, I, I think he'd make a great Batman. After I saw that, hmm. I think you make a good Batman. You don't think so? Another a good question for, for another, another time. time. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So going from starting in the late 1920s, I think, and going to the end of the end of history, I thought, God, this this covers a lot more mm. than I thought. I thought we were talking like 10 years. Yeah, it re really does cover a lot. And so the dialogue rocketing at full at full at full speed yes. does does sort of wear on you a little yes, bit. Springsteen playing at full volume, as I'm saying. That being said, I did find the ending satisfying. We'll talk mm. about it in the spoilers. I did find its message and how it got to that point. And 
like I talked about Nolan's films being a puzzle mm. and it's something that you unpick and then like in The Prestige, it's a literal puzzle of mm. what happened and how the hell it works. And this one I thought was really interesting is it is a puzzle about a person. Mm -hmm. And I'm often thinking throughout the film, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know, is Oppenheimer good? Or is he bad? Exactly. And there were so many moments I thought he was right and so many moments where he's very wrong. That's also, sorry, when I got the There Will Be Blood comparison because I feel this Daniel Plainview kind of like villain in a way. And so it's this idea of tackling this huge idea and using the puzzle of discovering who this person is to figure it out. And all in all, I enjoyed it. I was really impacted by it. I could say I, could say I was affected by it mm. and it really stuck with me. The, vis the, the sense of impending dread and I'm going to talk about it more in spoiler, but this, there's this deep, unsettling sense mm. of instability and radioactivity mm. and explosion running through the entire film. Mm. And I thought that has really, really impacted me. And it was very stunning. An intense, dense, thick yes, script. dense, yeah. That's the... And it's demanding. It's really, really demanding. Yeah. And I think people who went to see Barbie in the morning and are now having to tackle this, I think that's a lot to take in. I'm not is. being patronised to audiences. I just think it's an incredibly demanding film and just on that as well about being patronizing not we're not saying patronizing to the audience i also just want to reiterate when i say that this film could have done with 30 percent less information i'm not saying that because an audience can't understand it or an audience can't comprehend it it's just that i feel like saying to nolan like what's the objective here what's the goal it if if you really want to tell the story in a cinematic way I, I, personally i kind of feel like cinema doesn't have to rely on information you rely on the language of cinema to fill in those gaps and you know maybe it needed more b-roll james maybe it needed to be the opposite of um the opposite of avatar way of the water and it needed to chuck in more b-roll to give that kind of breathing time um but yeah no i'm not saying that an audience can't keep up but but again i i, I mean, like i i sort of jumped into like my criticism of it to it was the same as you essentially yeah. like a little bit different i think i'm overall a little bit more positive about it than you are that that experience of retelling store uh, retelling that story and mm. capturing it on that scale it's just impressive. Every time I come out of the Nolan film, I think he is an incredibly impressive filmmaker. That's despite the flaws, I think. Interesting, yeah, because yeah. I came out, I wasn't shaking when I came out. I, 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 was, oh, I, was. I was like, I was, the film had like completed its mission for me. And oh, I, I was, okay. and I, and I was like landed. I was like, yeah, I'm exhausted now. And I, I'm kind of like information. I've been thumped over there with so much information. Yeah. I, I got it. I always, I don't know. I came out with a sneaking sense of like, I don't know. I, for all the, I couldn't, it's that thing of like, for all the noise and all the scale, all the visuals, it's the story and the people and the emotions at the heart that I think you struggle with. And the interpret, it's not that I don't think he understands, I think he understands Oppenheimer. I think he gets that, mm. but it's the interpersonal relationships and the way that's presented. And that stuff might seem very small scale when you're dealing with the Manhattan Project, but that is the glue, that is the fabric between, you know, the story. And I, and I, I would have, I just more emphasize on like the relationship yes. to him and humanity. And, and like we'll talk about it. it. There's one particular decision where he decides to shoot a very personal thing relating to Oppenheimer in in a way that made me go, oh, Chris, I don't... I think I know the movement you mean. I, I, I'm like, I don't think you... Which made me go, oh, Chris, you don't get people. I don't think you get people. You get machines, um, <laughs> which is fine. Not not every director can do it. Look, I, I don't know, you'll talk about it in the Yeah, podcast, but you yeah. know the better I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I feel like I've come across a little bit too negative. I, did, I do still think that it's uh, a, a really... It's an, it is a new film from Nolan. Yeah. And for all the Nolan traits, I do like the fact that I've seen a biopic. He's tried to do something different and... I uh, appreciate that and I'm still 
looks uh, beautiful. I'm as thankful well. that you know. Please, in a way, I kind of he's kind of on a similar vein to people like um, you know, in a way, in a bit like Tarantino, who doesn't always hit the mark with me, or sometimes I'm like off. But I'm just so glad that yeah. he's out there doing. Or Wes Anderson. I'm just you know, it might not always work, a bit of hit and miss, but mm. I'm just glad you're out there doing your thing mm. and continue to do that. That's what I would say. It's gorgeous to look at. Absolutely stunning. I love, I love the um, the ma- the use of uh, macro. It's usually special effects, but like just uh, vi- visions of like very early on in the film, neurons spinning violently, yeah. sparks, flashes of a wall of fire going mm. spinning across the world. Here's a question for you. Yeah, the line that's in the trailer that Matt Damon says, you know. Maybe it's because it's the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. Do you think that's a silly line? No. I can't decide whether that's a good line or a bad line. There are good lines in this. For, yeah. for all the sometimes flawedness of Nolan's writing, there are a couple of moments early on. There's one bit when he's talking with Einstein and another bit somewhere. I'm like, that's a good, that's a good little thing there. Um, but then when that line happens, I'm like, is that grandstanding? I don't know. I think it's sort of there to communicate the, the stakes and to that is the more, uh, yeah communicate <laughs> yeah. it literally. Yeah, um, there's a oh, okay, it's a spoiler. I have to say it in spoiler sure. chats. Yeah, but but um, yeah, on the, I'd still think still say broadly on the whole, a, a good uh, 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 still some, definitely still something to see. I'm seeing it again on Monday and I'm, IMAX. Yes, and I'm looking forward to knowing how the central metaphor ends, the information I'm given in the beginning, mm. where that comes to yes and the nice little i wouldn't say twist but like you know real sort of like curling of the plot towards the end i'm looking forward to now watching knowing that yes. going back it's so nolan i need to like yeah, now yeah. go back to the start to understand the beginning i'm like ready to take it in again really give it a chance for a second viewing prep my day for it because <laughs> just one last thing the, the discussion now has become about uh an academy nomination oscar nomination for killian murphy for best actor yeah. which i think would be likely i also think best supporting actor perhaps for agree, Danny yeah. Jr. my thing is that well, i'm glad you agree but my point is that like i it's july it's early it's a very long time to sustain when are the nominations out the nominations for the oscar come out late january yeah okay put it this way i think brendan fraser only just about f- stayed back in the race remember he 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 started the race i know we're talking about oscars now but like the, the starting gun was fired for the whale in September and he was the front runner and then he dropped and then he fell behind and El, um, Austin Butler was the front runner and yeah. then he came back again and that's because it took six months. You're talking like a nine month, mm, sorry, math's a bit strange. Austin Butler eight was months. also early. Yeah, you're true. But yeah, but it's a long time. I mean, he didn't, he didn't win. But also, we heard about Brendan Fraser's, Brendan Fraser's performance in The Whale before we had an image yeah, of yeah, The Whale. Point, yeah. It got weirdly like pre-hyped before the film had yeah, any marketing. Point. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll follow that over Long the next few months. But yeah. that is Oppenheimer. We've got some emails we'll read out in a bit. But uh, if you if you disagree, agree, send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. Yeah, about. I'd love when, to hear when you have, I agree, when you have a film that is so multi-layered and so, so much I have no doubt then my second viewing will be deeper, richer, yeah. and perhaps more rewarding. And I am so open and so excited, a bit like with Barbie again, to go back and dip my toe in. I'm, and I'm great that we've had these two mm. very unique, distinct-voiced films come out. Yeah. We're spoiled. We're, we're lucky. <laughs> Guys, we'll be doing, uh, as we've already said in this episode, if you want to check out our spoiler conversation Friday, we'll be uploading spoiler thoughts. We're going to record those now. So um, otherwise, I, yes, on with the show. 
Guys, it's really important to have a great skincare routine. Whether you want to make a great first impression or just feel better about your skin, Caldera Lab is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. The regimen is a twice a day formula to help transform your skin. It's really easy and only takes 30 seconds. This includes the clean slate to start and end your day, leaving your skin feeling refreshed. Then there's the base layer to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Then you have the good, which is the go-to at night face serum to help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. And if you wanted to take it a step further, you have the Icon, which is an eye serum which helps reduce fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Use our exclusive code PULP20, that's P-U-L-P-2-0, to enjoy 20% off Caldera's best products. You can find the link in our description. Welcome to the email section of the show, where we read out your emails. This week, it's all about Barbenheimer. So we've had to prioritize the Barbenheimer emails. We know there is a bit of a backlog with emails that have been sent in. The fact is, guys, we get more emails now than we ever There's have done before. backlog with everything in this show. <laughs> we just backlog. I'm backed up more than my proctologist. I did, what? No, it's like, it's like a... Physically backed up for a while now. Um, we're sorry that there are a bit of a backlog with emails, but like I said, we get more than we ever have done, and we love them, and we will read through them, mm. and we, we do sort them, but sometimes we have to... We have to be selective now. We guys, the, the topical emails will get front-loaded. Exactly. If you're thinking, if I want to send an email, I want it to be read... Make it about something that's out right now. Yes. Otherwise, we'll be reading Barbenheimer emails out in two months' time, and that's just no good. On that note, though, let's read out some Barbenheimer emails. The first is from Michael. Michael says, all right, all right, all right. Michael here again. Apologies in advance if this email ends up being excessively long, but I simply had to write in as I'm fresh from the cinematic event of the year. Barbenheimer, of course. Yes. And I'm absolutely bursting with excitement about it. I'll preface this email by saying that I've recently been experiencing a bit of a film rut akin to something I remember George describing on a previous episode mm. when talking about his film-going experience before watching Parasite. Yeah, that's well remembered, Michael. Yeah, that's exactly what I had uh, late 2019 into early 2020. It happens, especially if you watch a lot of them, it happens. For whatever <laughs> reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, many films I've seen recently that many others think are great just haven't resonated with me. And I was starting to worry if my love of film was dwindling all of a sudden. But I'm relieved to write in and say that I thought Oppenheimer was completely and utterly stunning. And I was immediately, and has immediately become my favorite film of the year so far. For me, the film succeeds as both a massive, thrilling spectacle and as a far more contemplative character study. The latter due in no small part to the staggeringly impressive Killian Murphy. It's such a nuanced and expressive performance, at once confident and conflicted with this sort of far-off stare that convinces you he can actually see between the atoms that he works with. That's very good. The entire cast is sublime. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was in the form of his career. And when uh, when are Emily and Blunt or Florence Pugh anything but terrific? Good point. I think there's also, sorry, just to jump in on performances there. There's this effect of, I think of, when I talked at the beginning of episode about how happy those actors are to be a part of it. Even like Robert Downey Jr. who gets like, fuck you money from Marvel, like nine figure deals. He really doesn't need to do, like he doesn't need to do this film. They do it purely for the love of the film and the love of the art. And you just really feel like everyone's on the top of their game. And Killian Murphy just can't, can't be said enough how brilliant he is in it. But my favorite personal, but my personal favorite scenes were those involving Murphy and Matt Damon's art, Matt Damon's art, army general, mm. whose chalk and cheese natures bounce off each other brilliantly. I watched it all in awe, and my girlfriend and I both found the bomb test scene. That's no, that's no spoiler. Part of which is shown in the trailer to be properly edge of your seat viewing. If I had one minor quibble, while I still massively enjoyed the third act involving, uh, blah, 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 I would personally have liked to see more on how his the. Re- the results of Oppenheimer's work impacted his mental and emotional state, which is briefly touched upon, but not hugely fleshed out. I think, yeah, I guess that's fair. Mm. 
But as I say, a minor complaint in an otherwise immensely engaging piece of filmmaking that, despite being three hours long, never bored me, never seemed to drag. I thought it was fantastic, and if Kimmy Murphy doesn't get an Oscar nomination, something has gone seriously wrong. It's I'm, not... Oh, sorry, go on. There's more, but... Can, 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 it's not boring. It's no, 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 not at all. No, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, God, no. No, 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 not Can't not call it boring. Absolutely. Being boring is one of the worst things a film can be. One of the offences, one of the biggest offences. Or not films. having an effect in any sense. If, if, you, if your film, yeah, if your film doesn't even offend anyone, it's like, it just comes out to nobody. Yeah. Unfortunately, despite my love of all things Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie and Ryan Rosling. R- Ryan Rosling? That's <laughs> 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 like Scooby-Doo. Ryan Gosling. My experience with Barbie wasn't quite as positive. Mm. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. It was still really good fun, but I just didn't find it to be the masterpiece that many others have found it to be. I mean, there's a lot of praise being heaped on these films at the moment. It's yeah. okay to like just be a little bit tempered yeah. underneath it. There are some really good laugh out loud moments. Um, and, um, but I found they often came down between large spells of material that just didn't land for me. Like I say, I did enjoy it, but I can't help feeling it was a victim of the gargantuan hype train it created. A bit like what you were saying, the mm. film, bigger than the film. And it ends up being good, but not great. Anyway, no questions. Just my thoughts on the Barbenheimer experience. I hope you guys are getting on well and enjoying your, ex- getting on well and enjoy your experience as much as I did. We're getting on, like getting on well with life. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tolerate James today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam writes into the show and says, hello, Sam again from Wiltshire. Hi, Sam. Uh, or Wilshire. Wiltshire. There's no Wilt, just Wiltshire. It's definitely, it must be, be a tea He's lost there, the tea it? in there, yeah. yeah. On Friday, I visited my local cinema and hopped onto the trend of watching Oppenheimer and Barbie back to back. I chose to watch Oppenheimer first, then Barbie, as I wanted to leave the cinema feeling positive. Right. Back to back, straight away. I just, away. straight away, Sam. I feel like, tired hearing that. I joked to you after Oppenheimer, said, oh, George, do you want to go watch Barbie now in 10 minutes? No. Because I was like, I, I had to sit with that. We've said it three times now, but no. Love, love Barbenheimer, yeah. not back to back. Yeah. This was a massive mistake. <laughs> there was Oppenheimer left me really shaken and affected. Yeah. Brackets, the film was a complete masterf- masterpiece, one of Nolan's best. And immediately entering into Greta Gerwig's absurdist comedy world of Barbie left me not connected to Barbie as much as I expected. George, is this is this is this Barbenheimer imploding on itself? Oh, maybe, yeah. It's igniting a reaction that's setting fire to the Barbenheimer atmosphere. While I enjoyed the film overall, I didn't laugh at many of the jokes and I didn't really enjoy the movie until about halfway through the runtime. After returning home and hearing your take on it, I believe that you two made the right decision in watching them on separate days. I believe now if you want to watch them back to back, you should watch Barbie, then Oppenheimer, but that ultimately watching them on separate days or with a few hours in between is probably the wisest decision. I now plan to rewatch both over the <laughs> next week on separate days to watch and judge them in isolation. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on the movies. Which did you prefer and which had the best final line? Brackets, both are iconic and perfect to their own way best regards sam i mean sam it's too late the weekend's gone people yeah. have already made their we've barbenheimed yeah, past yeah, yeah absolutely um george which one did you prefer and which one had the best final line i go oppenheimer oppenheimer i think that we would say that the last line is oppenheimer because i think the last line of barbie is a really, really good line yeah for women yeah um it's funny like it is funny have, but i have think, one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, knee jerk. I think it's I, having had this discussion today. Mm. I want to go and rewatch both. When yeah. I came out of Barbie, I felt like I preferred Barbie. How these completely different films, but yeah. I thought I preferred Barbie because I got more. You know, it was more my taste. It was more fun. It was kind of interesting. It was kind I of felt little, like happy. A little bit of heart. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But I will say the more I've thought about it, Oppenheimer has kind of lingered longer um, in the back of my soul because it's about, you know, the existential crisis of 
mankind. So, uh, Oppenheimer has burnt itself into my eyes more. Literally, it's stickier. I'd say Barbie. let them be. But let them be. Don't. I think. Don't I think Barbie will be looked at as more of like a huge highlight of the year for film than I think Oppenheimer will. Even yes, because it's a cultural thing. Yeah. 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 Tahar writes in next and says, hello, James. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Tahar writes in and says, hello, James and George. Hope you're both well. I want to begin this email by letting you know that I can no longer be the official Pakistani student correspondent of this podcast. What? Wow. Have you found someone else? (laughs) Yeah. As I have graduated from university. Ali Plum? (laughs) As I've now graduated from university and I'm now just... A Pakistani looking for a job in London. Oh. Oh, okay, fair enough. You can still be, you know, the correspondent. I did my final year thesis on how evergreen characters such as Superman or Mickey Mouse ent- enter the public domain. Hang on. Entering. Entering the public domain. You- don't read it at the same time <laughs> I as me. I just threw demons. I did my final year thesis on how evergreen characters such as Superman or Mickey Mouse entering the public domain will empower fandoms to shape them independently from media corporations. This is a topic I believe is also particularly relevant to film and the current cinema landscape of, of major studios sticking to established IPs. So, ha, that okay. sounds incredibly complex, but yeah. I think I know what you mean. And good, sounds like a very, very smart essay, you clever yeah. cookie. That being said, I wanted to primarily share my thoughts on Barbenheimer, italicized with, astro- you know, inverted commas. Having watched both on opening weekend, I watched Barbie on Friday and Oppenheimer on Sunday, giving both ample time to digest both films. Smart decision. With Barbie, I came out having really enjoyed myself with only slight criticism of its third act. While for Oppenheimer, which I saw in 70mm at Odin Leicester Square, I felt more compelled by the film's second half and felt the first half was a bit disjointed. Oh, interesting, the Mm. second half of Oppenheimer. Okay. However, having sat with both films for a day, I think while Barbie is flawed in its third act and does not really execute its message as effectively as it could, its success is in its cathartic nature and incredible visual style. The film is unique and its strong sense of identity is such that I struggle to remember a film that fits in the same genre as Barbie. That's true. The Lego movie being the closest match. Yeah, absolutely. Moreover, I feel the film's I feel the film's moments of in-your-face feminism can be genuinely refreshing and make it an enjoyable watch. On the other hand, Oppenheimer, in my view, is the better crafted film. The more I thought about the film, the more I wanted to see it again so that I could get a better grasp of the non-linear storytelling. I think its structure really adds to its continuing tension even after the bomb has gone off. However, while Oppenheimer is the better film, I feel Barbie will be remembered in more in the longer term just for how unique of a film it is and how it appeals to a much wider audience. A bit I like what you just, just said. said yeah. Yeah. Lastly, I just wanted to say that you guys have been a really enjoyable part of my past year and I cannot wait for episode 100. Nice. Might I suggest having a special game only game show only episode with guests mm, or even with fans? It's a good idea. A game, a game show. We could do a game show. Yeah, play along at home kind of thing. We will announce 100 episode, uh, the 100th episode plans. In due course. In due course. We got, we got 15 weeks. Yeah, 14 yeah. weeks. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a 12-month head start. Yeah. 18. How can you possibly know that? <laughs> They're working on 100. This is the most important <laughs> scientific discovery in the history of mankind. There are other podcasts now, right now, racing towards episode 100, <laughs> yeah. trying to launch. Yeah. What, what are the Reservoir Hot Dogs doing? <laughs> <laughs> the Kill Grills. <laughs> Every like couple of weeks, instead of a marble, I put like a round of cast this countdown into a fishbowl. Yeah. This is how many games we need to launch it. Um, a loyal siren, Taha. Taha, thank you so much. Oh, sent from underneath the podcast table. Oh, I like that. That's a good oh, joke. God. That is a very loyal listener joke. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Good email, Taha. Thank you very much. This one is from Naomi, friend of the show. Hey, Naomi. says, hello, guys. I watched Oppenheimer first and then Barbie after a 10-minute break. Oh, Jesus. 
I like that people are telling us like what they did first. Ten minutes, uh, half an hour at least. Come on, ten minutes. Then the next day, I watched Barbie again because I liked it so much. With many, uh, of course, both times I was dressed completely in pink, and I felt that a bit. I felt a bit weird sitting in Oppenheimer. <laughs> but I bet you weren't alone. I bet yeah. there were other people there wearing pink. Uh, I think Oppenheimer was a really good movie, and I really like Christopher Nolan's work. And Killian Murphy is just such a good actor. I have to say, I was surprised how many awesome and well-known actors were part of the cast. Yes. Us too. Uh, the story was super exciting and I think you have to be extraordinarily talented to tell a story that is already known in such an exciting and new way. Is it, uh, it it's a well known uh, of story but I don't know the details no, of that no, well yeah, known. It's a, it, I, I think most people just know I think most people don't know his name but like most, yeah. if they do they're like oh yeah Oppenheimer Father of the Atomic Bomb yeah. Manhattan Project I think I think it's a good story that's finally been yes. put in the in the in the largest uh, magnifying glass possible of pop culture and just, oh, always World War II yeah. stuff pre and post is so interesting. Mm. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Barbie was such a great movie. I can't even say what my favorite part was. All the references to other movies made my film loving heart beat faster. Uh, emoji with stars in their eyes. Yes. Even though and even though I've heard a lot of controversial opinions about the movie, and I think you can read as much into it as you want. When I was little, I played with Ken the same way he was shown in the movie. Huh. He really. He was really just Ken. And when you see the movie as an adult, you start to see the parallels between Barbie Land and our real world. So not dis- so not despite, but because of its pro- pro- so not despite, but because of its provocative and socio-critical nature, I find the Barbie movie so excellent and could watch it over and over. Thank you for your awesome podcast, Naomi. Oh, Naomi, thank you very Naomi, much. That's great. That's great. This next email is from I want to say Kadia, um, who has written to the show. I believe could be Khadija. Could be Khadija, but I'm I'm gonna I'm going to go for a silent J. All right. I'm going to say Kadir, who writes in with saying, Barbenheimer. Hi, guys. So now that Barbenheimer week is over, I genuinely don't know what to do with my life. Mm. I think the Barbenheimer phenomenon is one of the best pop culture moments to have happened in recent years because yeah. there was something to everyone. I agree we said that earlier. We also had a comment on TikTok that said this is the best thing that's happened in culture post-COVID. Yes. And I was like, that's really nice. And it is like a coming back together event. Uh, it was um, like, uh, people have said it, cinema is back. It was absolutely. welcome back in cinema. The girls who grew up with the iconic doll to... S- got to see Greta Gerwig breathe her life in, uh, breathe her to life starring Margot Robbie and the perfect casting for stereotypical Barbie at yeah. that and the film lovers got to finally experience Killian Murphy at the helm of a Christian Nolan film mm-hmm. I was able to see both on opening day with my friend and I had the greatest time I watched Oppenheimer and IMAX first nice. and then Barbie which served as the visual dessert after that I like that digital, visual dessert yes it is like it is a very confectionery sort of influence do you think you could do Barbie go for a meal reset the digestive microbiome and then go for Barbie. Do you think you could oh, you justify mean, you, it? You mean Oppenheimer? Sorry, yeah. No. You said Barbie. It's here. They did, Bar- they, did, they did Oppenheimer first. Yeah. Do you think you could do Oppenheimer, have like a meal, like four hours difference? I think I would do Oppenheimer at 10 o'clock. Finish, yeah. Yeah. Finish yeah. it one. Have two Be hours. like two. Half an hour of ads. <sighs> that thing. Realistically, it would be more like two. Okay, I'd start at 10, get out of 1.30, I'd have two hours for... No, I'd I, I tell you what, I would do Oppenheimer at 10, Yeah. finish about 1.30, and then I would watch Barbie at four. That's the minimum okay. amount of time I'd give minimum, it in between. Yeah. So I'm giving that two and a half hours, Yeah. in which time I can eat, digest, process, then go back into Barbie. Yeah, sorry, as you were. As I were. Um, I've been a diehard Greta Gerwig fan ever since I watched Lady Bird in 2017. Mm -hmm. And I was a Barbie girly, so this was something I've truly been waiting for, and it did not disappoint. It was hilarious and smart and emotional, and of course, it's Greta, so I tapped into the theme of girls slash womanhood that I found brilliant. But here's the thing. I enjoyed my experience of watching Oppenheimer more. 
Maybe it's because it was an IMAX or maybe because it was a biopic thriller, which I found so interesting. I don't know. But the movie just blew me away. Slight, ah. slight pun intended. The cast were phenomenal. I had so much fun with the little cameos. And the score? I can't get that out of my head. Incredible. This might be a hot take, but I think Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's best project yet. Mm. Um, anyway, love the podcast. Thank you, Kadir. That's an interesting take. It's interesting when we spoke to some people and people who'd seen it, and it was giving impressions like it was Christopher Nolan's best film, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's a... Time will tell. Time will tell. I don't know if it's... Like, I came out of Tenet, and I, was, I wasn't sure. I, I was sure that was not, not his best. best film. But like, to be honest, I don't think I've ever walked out I'd, of a Christopher Nolan film and given perfect score. But you know what I realised? That I think every Nolan film represents almost a different section of his audience. They're the people okay. who go like, oh, I'm a prestige person. Oh, no, I'm an interstellar person. They're, the interstellar fans are different. Yeah, the interstellar <laughs> Nolan fans are different to, the, I think, the Oppenheimer fans. And the Memento fans are different to the Batman trilogy fans, mm. you know? And the, the, you got the Inceptions and the Tenet fans. I just, I just feel like I can see just slight different personalities and groups forming. From I that. think Christopher Nolan brings in new members of his, new audience members with every film that he does. Like I right. think with instead of probably he'd already got a big audience from like the Inception lot, but I reckon when he did Dunkirk, he opened he sort of yes. departed slightly away from yeah. big bombastical sci-fi idea. He still told it in his own way with three different like time ways of passing time in one yeah, set, but he really like got like yeah. a sort of great British film auteur yes, audience to do also a sort of a looking back establishment grey pound yeah. movie. Yes, yeah. Whereas I think with this one, he's sort of like almost coming back to that. Oh yes, no, that I do like him. He did the Dunkirk one, yes indeed. And it grows and compounds. This next one is from Harry, who writes in and says, hello James and George, slash George and James, slash games and George, and George and games. I see, I get it. Yes. I hope you're well. How droll. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you are well. You. I've been an avid listener of the pod for many months now and I've always wanted to email in but never really found the right subject to do so for. This was until I, like I imagine many of your other listeners would have done, decided to go and see the Barbenheimer double bill. Nice. I've always wanted to do a double feature at the cinema but never really found the right films to do it with. The closest I ever got was an annual Lord of the, Ring, Lord of the Rings extended cut marathon with my school friends every Easter holiday when I was at school. You know that's like a 13-hour commitment. Yes. It's, it's really, I save it when I'm the most sick. It really is a lot. Um, then I got mad that Easter holiday when I was at school. But with the releases of Barbie and Oppenheimer being announced, I immediately knew this would be the funniest first double feature ever. As I was away on opening weekend, I utilized some annual leave to go and see both on Monday, and I had an absolute blast. Wow. Like any normal person, I like to have my main course before my dessert. Yes. So I went to a 10.30 screening of Oppenheimer Hello. that was mostly empty with a few retired couples and about 20 other men in their mid-20s to early 30s. I assume having uh, the exact uh, same uh, idea as me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not empty. No. 20, other 20 but maybe 20, if it was a big screen, it looks empty. Maybe, yeah. Uh, also for a Monday morning. Yeah, 10.30 like, as well. Still, yeah. as, I, I've been to the Monday morning screenings. It's me and another guy who looks like a journalist seeing yeah. the Mario Brothers movie. Um, despite the relatively early screening and heavy subject matter, I found myself gripped from start to finish and amazed at the way Nolan could make a three-hour film involving men sat in rooms talking about quantum physics so visually and emotionally interesting. I don't want to spoil too much, but the Trinity sequence and Robert Downey Jr.'s performance were my two highlights, yeah. especially as I had no idea rdj was in the film at all mm -hmm. yeah uh in uh, very engaging yes. talking in in rooms yes. very very good after a quick lunch break and change into a salmon pink shirt okay he this is he's doing my plan he's doing yeah 
the, the, lunch then de- lunch and dessert. Good idea. After a quick lunch break and change into a, also 10 a.m. Great time to see Oppenheimer. Take it in. Three hours of concentrating. Yes. Yeah. Uh, your your brain's sharpest activity yes. point. Yeah. You know Jeff Bezos. He only has uh, important thinking meetings in the morning. Doesn't take them in the afternoon. Yeah, I think Any, that's smart. Yeah. He's a billionaire. <laughs> After a quick lunch break and change into a salmon pink TV shirt, I return to the cinema once again to a near full screening of Barbie filled with neon pink clad women and even a man in a full pink suit. Fantastic. I felt very underdressed. While I wish I'd given myself an hour or two longer between the screenings to process Oppenheimer, I can report that I absolutely adored Barbie. While the overall message of the film could have been, a bit, could have been more subtle, mm. I really enjoyed the depth that Margot Robbie brought to the title character and Ryan Gosling as Ken should at least get an Oscar nod for his scene-stealing performance. The set design was also perfect. Mm. I felt that Barbie Land was a real place where toys would live. I know this email is starting to drag, so I'll wrap up, but I'd like to note that I watched both of these films having only seen the initial teaser trailers, so I went in as blind as you could and thoroughly recommend others yeah. do the same. That's what I do. It really yep. lets you enjoy all the surprises a film has in store. That is this guy a, sounds like me. This is, I totally <laughs> yeah, agree. Right. Yeah. That is a really great but very difficult thing to do. And I, I have actually resigned to it because of like I, the show, but you, you do try. I saw the Barbie it. teaser once. I saw the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer teaser once. I went to see Mission Impossible last week. Both full trailers came on. You know what I did, James? You did the- Boom, straight yeah. down. Like a man in prayer. Just looking down. Well, uh, when Killers Flower Moon trailer played for Oppenheimer. No, I watched that because yeah. I hadn't seen that yet. Right, okay. And the June 2 trailer came on and I hadn't seen that and I watched it and it was great. And as we've discussed off air, there's one it, shot at the end, you go, well, that's the end of the movie. Why did they show that one I shot? Know. That's the end of the I film. Know. Keep up the great work. Kind regards, Harry. And guys, just a couple of quick ones that we got on Instagram as well who responded to our call out for people's opinions on Barbenheimer. Um, Michaela writes in and says, both were good, though Oppenheimer was at the end of the day a biopic like most others, but Barbie ate Oppenheimer for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was funny and well done while incorporating some good commentary. Nice. <laughs> She's still wearing pink glitter as she types. <laughs> Friend of the show, Kai, wrote in and said, Hi guys, the experience was great, but definitely not the best way to watch both films. Hi guys, the experience was great, but definitely not the best way to watch both films. Having 30 minutes to digest Oppenheimer alongside a warm McDonald's before being funneled into Barbie no. is definitely not what <laughs> Nolan intended. No. A note on Barbie. I think a lot of people are reading it as a commentary on the genders that, as they exist in society, but I think, probably wrongly, it's explicitly a commentary on the genders as they exist on screen. They basically live on a film set. There are mm. other reasons why I think this is, but I think there are more, there are more spoilery reasons, reasons, so I'll leave it out. That's an interesting take as well, mm. yeah, how genders represented on screen, yes. A good question yeah. for another time. Um, Connor writes in and says, Barbie, great visuals, performances, and a good message with strong themes, but I thought that it lost itself trying to actively push those themes and fell into some predictability. Also, yeah. thought it felt like Greta, wrote, Greta Gerwig wrote a strong script, which upon review by executives like those at Mattel, got watered down and made more mainstream. No, I, no, I, don't, I don't think, think that. that. I think it's spiky. I think it's we're lucky to have got as spiky as uh, it was. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed it a lot, though, and Michael Sarah is God. Yeah. Oppenheimer, unreal performances across the board, an incredible score accompanied by some fantastic sound mixing and ultimately a technical masterpiece. A beautiful script and character development and writing that I felt we hadn't seen on this high level from Nolan before as the most popular weaknesses... Uh, yeah, as the, yeah, that that was the weakness of his previous films. Um, and, and the third and final act truly encapsulated me. Lastly, from Louise, we have... She says, as different as these two films are... I can't help but see a common theme between them that relates to the, to the fragile egos of men and the infinite amount of damage they can be done that, that that can be done to everybody, including themselves, when they prioritize their own status over the greater good. Mm. On Barbie, I was disappointed by the ending and felt it pulled its punches. It seemed like it was building to something more hard hitting, and I left a little bit unsure of what to take home. 
That being said, Ryan Gosling was hilarious as Ken and kind of stole the show in a very unken-like fashion. I found Oppenheimer very impactful and I was still thinking about it for hours and days after watching it. Impactful. What did I say? Yeah, I'm with Graham. Oh, sorry. Impactful, (laughs) that's the word I've used. Nolan manages the combination of huge scale action and emotional drama so well. He somehow made a story about quantum physicists creating a nuclear bomb feel very very relatable, showing the devastating effect that we as humans are too flawed to be trusted with that level of power. I'd say it's not um, unanimous over whether or not people prefer one or the other. All of that correspondence is shown. Which bit of which (laughs) film they prefer. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like probably like, oh, the beginning or the ending. Barbie ended like this. It's, I think we've, look, to to, to review Barbenheimer, we've got two very good, very interesting, direct, intentional films made by people with a singular vision. Um, And they should not have been seen 10 minutes apart. No, give them the respect they deserve and see them in the same weekend, but maybe not the same day. Yeah. This week, Pop Kitchen does not end with a game. Because we we tried to record them just now, and it, it didn't sound very good because we're, we're very exhausted. tired. We've recorded for four hours. Four hours All I can talking. see is mushroom clouds and pink neon. So Blue plastic waves. Yes, and Ryan Gosling's abs. Guys, there's loads of games on TikTok and Instagram if you fancy them. Check them out there, back catalogue. We take have a, recorded take a rest reviews, spoiler casts, yeah. emails in the things of the things. There's plenty of content. We're sorry. Oh, we just we just got an email from someone about Barbenheimer. It's coming ah! in left, right, and center. <laughs> Guys, have a great week. We'll be and, back next week with games. And like, subscribe, follow, share, and everything. Please do. Have a great Barbenheimer week. We're tired. New episodes every single Wednesday. Goodbye! Thank you.